Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 16 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss best practices with data center and cloud optimization strategies in the federal government. With me on today's show are Thomas Santucci, Director of IT Modernization at GSA, Beth Capella, Deputy Chief Information Officer, Department of Homeland Security, Monique Bork, Assistant Director for Innovation Engineering, Department of Justice, Anthony Vicinelli, Federal Chief Technology Officer, Enlight Software, Chip George, Vice President, Public Sector at Nutanix, and Ryan Lake, Chief Technology Officer at Kellyan Technologies. Well, this is a big subject, uh, you know, about a, about a decade ago, we started on this journey, right? Data center consolidation, then we went to cloud first and we went to cloud smart. And uh, sort of during that journey, we had a lot of tecto- uh, tectonic shifts in technology, right? Hybrid cloud capabilities, sophisticated methods to manage storage and mesh on-prem, off-prem in the cloud, ability to optimize these data center assets and a lot of advanced instrumentation that's been introduced to manage all this. And a couple other items that I think are worth noting. One, the TBM, right? Now all of a sudden we can compare an apple to an apple as far as cost is concerned. And uh, much more advanced methods to acquire these goods and services. I think services being an operative word there. And of course the TMF now coming along with a billion dollars to prime the pump, so to speak. So the table is really set. Tom, let's start with you at GSA. You're sort of looking at it from the top, looking across the superstructure. Well, what do you see out there? Give us a state of the state, if you will. Sure, Luke, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, I think the message of the day is we wanna continue to reduce the data center inventory. Building, maintaining, and operating a data center is an expensive proposition. And data centers are energy intensive facilities, 10 to 100 times more than any office space. And the constant surging for compute has been challenging to meet. The power and cooling constraints of existing facilities and frankly, our budget cycles for the year-end surge of purchasing compute is just not efficient and reduces the use of shared service. There is, and finally, there's always restriction or uh, friction between the data center operators and the facility owners. <clears throat> Um, which doesn't generally benefit the tenants at all. But on a good note, of the 24 CFO Act agencies, 12 have met their closure goals. We have two of them here today, DHS and DOJ. They're, I consider, gold standards in this regard. Uh, In fact, 10 of those agencies have zero data centers in the inventory. They are entirely in shared service data centers or commercial facilities or uh, cloud. We're down to 512 data centers in the federal government. We've closed 617. And all of this data could be found and more at it-board.gov where the public has access to our data as well as GAO uses it for the FATARA scorecard. And finally, we're still operating under an OMB memo for an extension of the data center optimization initiative till 2022. Data center closure should remain the agency's primary priority. Beth, you all have been on a tear over there at DHS in a lot of different ways, including sort of the the consolidation and and re-optimization of your your data centers. 
and uh, and, and and moving into these uh, hybrid cloud capabilities, full cloud capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Give us the top line on what the heck's going on over there these days. <laughs> well, uh, Luke, you know DHS, we're always busy. Um, I think I think uh, I've got a good news story, and I really appreciate the uh, the shout out from GSA because we put a lot of effort into this. Uh, I think you're familiar that uh, between 2016 and 2019, DHS closed 18 data centers across the enterprise, um, and that total that brings us to a total of 57 DHS data centers closed in the last decade. Um, this data center optimization initiative has been um, just incredibly important to DHS as we as we look to optimize our environment and understand how we get the best compute and storage capability, as you pointed out, Luke, um, we really have to look at where what we've got left in the data centers, what is going to need to remain in an on-prem data center. I think, uh, you know, an emission is disparate uh, across DHS. It, it is not um, unusual that we will have on-prem requirements for, for some of our mission sets. But to the extent that we can reduce that, to the extent that we can consolidate the footprint in our existing uh, data center one, these are all of our goals. And uh, specifically right now, we are undergoing a, an exercise to exit out of our data center two, and we're about 68% complete. And I think that when we started this, um, you know, in earnest, there was some concern that a couple of our legacy, pretty important legacy applications were going to be uh, virtually impossible to move out of an on-prem data center and into the cloud. And we've proven that not to be the case. And, and as you pointed out, as technology is accelerating, it's really facilitating our ability uh, to move forward with cloud adoption. Um, I think the other really key and, and, and important point in this is that as you're looking at cloud adoption data center consolidation, you have to think about your universe, your enterprise, right? So your wide area network in our case, a critical piece of foundational uh, technology that if that's not right, uh, your cloud adoption situation is not going to be healthy. So we've been working on the network, the underlying infrastructure, the security controls, right? As you move into a hybrid cloud environment, that's incredibly important. And, and in summary, I'm just incredibly privileged to be part of DHS and the work that we've accomplished over the last decade. It's pretty impressive. Monique, how about at, over at DOJ? Once again, you all are on a tear. I use an urban legend out there about how the uh, three data center goal uh, got identified at Department of Justice. And uh, you all are really laser focused on making sure that you meet that goal. Yeah, well, good morning. Um, thank you for uh, inviting uh, the department to participate again. We love these panels um, and talking about our successes and progress in this area. So yeah, it's uh, so DOJ has had this long um, uh, three data center core enterprise facility goal for over a decade now, and I think um, as we reflect back, uh, you know, sometimes keeping the message simple, right, and sticking to it um, will eventually uh, help us move forward slowly but surely. So yeah, we we are excited. Um, we have closed 99 data centers over the, since we started this initiative back in 2010. Tom Santucci was part of that with me over the years, as well as you, Luke, and others. Um, uh, much smarter than um, 
I know you are much smarter than me, but others uh, have been much smarter in setting the stage for the strategy. And I've been fortunate to work alongside side Tom and others to help sort of carry this forward. Um, it's, you know, it's bread and butter for us these days. So it's wonderful to see. We are um, hoping to see our 100th data center um, this fiscal year. We should. We're, we're expecting to, so wow. uh, we'll do a little fanfare for that. So it's it's exciting to think about that kind of progress we've made. Um, we have uh, closed as a result of those closures over a hundred, excuse me, over fifty percent of our data center square footage over the years. So that's over one hundred thirty-seven thousand um, square feet. So uh, so that was a nice milestone. Um, through these closures, uh, it's about 155 million in savings um, cumulatively. So that's on the conservative side. And we, over these last couple of years, we've really seen this huge ramp up going to the cloud. So as folks have figured out their, strat their strategy going forward, um, whether they're hybrid or all data center or all commercial cloud, we have a couple components that are are trending to 100% all cloud with um, zero um, data center footprint. Um, but we're starting to see more progress towards that end. Um, we have about 40% of our VMs now are in the cloud. So it's a huge surge up these last couple of years. So we're seeing the momentum there. So as folks have gotten their strategy in place, um, are getting comfortable with the technology, we're starting to see the larger collections go. Um, consider going to commercial cloud where we hadn't seen that before. And now that's gonna start pushing the envelope for additional savings, optimizations, more enterprise agreements that are more cost-effective for cloud hosting. So I think we'll see that um, um, as well in our future. Um, and uh, we've, uh, with that additional growth in cloud um, uh, movement servers, our storage in the cloud has increased over 300% these past couple of years. So it's definitely is um, on, on the path towards that um, direction. The other thing we're, we're seeing is um, it's, as I mentioned, kind of bread and butter. Um, our data center services uh, operations, it's, it, they're running smoothly, really uh, knock on wood, constant, uh, you know, um, consistent uptime, very few uh, uh, outages or sort of blips. We're maturing under the department's um, ISO 20,000 processes and just really dotting our I's and crossing our T's with our service metrics. And then we um, recently are making our billing consumption available via dashboard to our tenants so they can go in and drill down and look at their cost projections, see how they're spending. So again, continuing to try and mature that type of experience for our tenants and for um, cost projections um, going forward. Uh, Anthony, how about at Enlight? Uh, you all play a very unique part in sort of helping the folks on this journey uh, get to this uh, to this place, stay in this place, evolve uh, from this place, if you will. Uh, tell us what's going on over at Enlight. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Luke. I'd be, I'd be happy to, you know, I can't believe it's already been two years since the last time we did these. So I was trying to think back, you know, some of the progress that we made. One of the major ones was making sure that we get DCI, DCOI version two into the MLI product and making sure that it's expressed in the proper way, meaning that whatever the spirit of DCOI two was that our, our dashboards and reports and things like that, 
uh, were were uh, you know bringing that message across, helping people um, achieve not only those cost savings but those metrics. And so, uh, whenever we were doing that, bringing that into the product, we wanted to make sure we reached out to our customers, our government customers, to say. Uh, do we have this right? You know, are we showing you this uh, information in the right way? So bringing that across in the product was uh, was a was a was a big step for us to make sure that that was there. Um, also, as the world was kind of changing, and as as we've seen through you know just the first couple folks here that are talking about you know what their progress is, moving from that just on prem, um, you know, just understanding what our customers have on prem was not enough. And so we, we adopted what we call HDIM, hybrid digital infrastructure management, and brought that into our solutions as well. So not only understanding what you have on-prem, but what do you have in the cloud and understanding you know, the cost savings that may occur from moving from on-prem to the cloud and helping uh, folks make those decisions easier. But those justifications for uh, what might be, as you know, as Beth was saying, you know, the cloud never stuff, the cloud maybe, the cloud now, and and how do you make those decisions? How do you prioritize uh, those moves, and then potentially those moves back, right? So as we're doing that rationalization, uh, there's always that, you know, is this the best place uh, for our workloads, for our compute, for our storage, based off of the given mission? Uh, so if there's risk involved, or if there's availability involved. Uh, that may change whether or not you're running things on-prem or in the cloud. So that hybrid world has really, uh, it's really manifested itself out in the, in the, uh, out in the community. Chip, how about at Nutanix? You all are right smack in the middle of a lot of this, uh, again, enabling these, uh, these large agencies uh, and across the, 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 the private sector, no doubt, uh, to realize this type of capability. Tell us about the state of the state. Yeah, thanks, Luke, and uh, just happy to be here and see everybody. Hope everyone's doing well in this uh, situation we're all in and hopefully coming out of. Uh, but yeah, the, the work that we've done with data center optimization, now cloud optimization has been going on for a, a number of years. And we certainly have, and I'll talk about one, uh, use cases that are sort of traditional. As everyone said, data center consolidation was the going term, right? Finding these data centers that could be consolidated, you could get those efficiencies, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, economies of scale, I should say, and that efficiency, get rid of some of that shadow IT, you know, that term and just people mm -hmm. running things out there that, that weren't being managed in any sort of efficient way, some offhand application that was being run. So we take part in a lot of that. And still, although it has shifted to being optimizations more like that cloud-like experience like Monique talked about. Uh, that, that seems to be more the discussion now, but some of those traditional numbers are still part of what we do every day. We still look at very traditional architectures and work with our uh, customers to improve those. We had a published DoD use case going back a few years ago that was, for instance, when they looked at those traditional savings, 60 racks to 10 racks of equipment I mean, the power, the cooling, what they say in the tactical world in DOD, the swap, the space, weight, and power of something like that is just incredible, right? And those guys uh, had, at the end of it, by looking very carefully at how they converged the traditional architectures, they had more compute, more storage after that over 80% reduction in just footprint. Yeah, and the last thing is that 
that jump directly to the cloud. That's what we're participating in now. And we have agencies that have looked very carefully at the use case, because that's what you have to do when you're looking at cloud services, as a couple of people mentioned, you have to look at the networking, you have to look at the performance, you have to look at the cost, right? And we've had a couple of people that have gone directly into the cloud with the offering we have for desktop as a service. And they didn't do it as a wholesale, just jump in with everybody. They did a piecemeal. And it's been working after a number of months. Uh, they actually have a lot in the in the cloud now uh, in terms of those desktops. And maybe we'll go back and do a bigger deal there. But the point is that they are succeeding and they've tried it a little bit. It's worked great and they're doing more, right? So you have to pick which applications as a number of people say work best in the cloud. We're gonna take a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. There's no shortage of demands placed on federal IT and data center professionals to innovate and automate while also cutting costs. But what is the reality of achieving scalability, flexibility, and security while maintaining reliability? How do you accomplish these and remove human error and reduce energy costs? Listen in on the Data Center Insight Series brought to you by Enlight Software as federal agency leaders reveal how they are getting it done. Visit enlight.com federal. That's N-L-Y-T-E dot federal. Government organizations implementing a CloudSmart strategy had few options for managing on-prem and cloud environments uniformly until now. Nutanix hybrid and multi-cloud platform eliminates the cost and management complexity of disparate cloud environments. Agencies have the flexibility to choose the best environment for each application with seamless mobility across private and public clouds without re-architecting applications or committing to long, inflexible contracts. Test drive the Nutanix Enterprise Cloud Platform today and see how easy it is to manage your IT operations on any infrastructure in any location with any public cloud. Visit Nutanix.com slash test drive. Data volumes expanding to petabytes size with no end in sight? Being told, move to the cloud? Rely on Kellen Technologies' managed data service powered by Commvault to continue the digital transformation of your IT operations and infrastructure, providing effective, efficient, and easy transition from your current on-premise IT environment. Visit kellentech.com to learn how Kellen Technologies is equipped to be your trusted IT partner to help you gain an operational edge and be able to sleep at night. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about data center and cloud optimization. And we were just talking about sort of the top line. Uh, Ryan, uh, tell us what sort of the state of the state is over there at Kellen Technologies these days in regards to sort of what you all are up to across this community. Yeah, so we specialize in service provider-based delivery of cloud and storage optimization technologies. And we've seen a huge increase in the last few years of smaller agencies being able to take part in these hybridization and cloud moving opportunities that have kind of been left behind for some of these really tiny sub organizations of especially civilian agencies. Um, in the last few years, we've seen, especially as parent agencies, infrastructure has grown. We're seeing huge improvements of their ability to access not just cloud opportunities, but shared data centers. Um, and we've put together a platform where we deliver uh, on-premise and or cloud infrastructure as a service in our OpEx billing model. Yeah, so no, we've seen really great engagement from smaller agencies all the way through larger agencies and taking advantage of these, um, of these modernization efforts where they previously felt trapped in their on-prem data centers where they have large amounts of data that has been living local to their users 
um, and they haven't had the infrastructure available to them to migrate that to either shared agency data centers or the cloud. That has really freed up, and they've really taken advantage of the ability to procure that in an OpEx and as a service-based model, which gives them the flexibility of cloud, being able to choose between on-prem and, and traditional hyper-cloud-based services. Um, that has been a big windfall, and we've seen great success with that. Monique. How about at DOJ? Give us an example. I know you have, you have, you have almost 100. And once again, congratulations. That is really impressive. But you all have done some really unique stuff over there. Give us an example of a program you'd like to showcase uh, as you've gone on this journey uh, in regards to some optimization or, or uh, you know, consolidation, et cetera, of the, uh, both the data center and or cloud or hybrid cloud. Yeah, Luke, uh, happy to. Um, you know, we, we, we do have a number of great success stories. And I, I think the, the ones that have resonated the most um, uh, and that we feel um, strictly um, tied to are the ones where we really followed a sort of process. Um, through this partnership and collaboration, we have our cloud management team at the department and, and we're able to use focused um, funding to help components advance, you know, get up to speed, um, prepare, do a readiness assessment, um, do a estimate, get them connected with the best um, uh, procurement uh, um, options, get them connected with the cloud architect engineer, actually provide people to supplement their team uh, and stay with them and work their migration effort and, and work through the, uh, the, the issues they may have to meet their mission support. So, um, and, and so we've done this in a number of places that have really yielded, I think, major successes. So um, we, we are working closely with uh, um, our Bureau of Prisons component now, and this has been a huge success story. Um, because they really didn't have a path, uh, you know, a few years back. Um, um, there was a little bit of vendor lock-in with the legacy system. And through a lot, extending the time of decoy has really helped with some of these more um, persnickety issues and allow us the time to help them architect and plan a path forward um, that makes more sense. Um, and so a little bit to what Ryan was saying, I think some folks feel uh, tend, not trapped, but kind of left, locked in, maybe not feeling like they have as many options because uh, the lift seems too great. And so in our case, it was extra help and time. Um, we're not quite there yet, but that's the that's one we're tracking for this fiscal year. Um, we think it's a success story because we're so close. It will actually, it's a, it's a twofer. It closes both our, um, a, our DOJ run facility, as well as the um, uh, the failover facility, which which was a hosted environment, so that that helps us streamline that environment further, um, and and it sets them up for a very sustainable model going forward. Um, they were wholly dependent on the vendor supporting them, so this actually allows them to be a lot more. Um, uh, application agnostic and, and uh, from a life cycle perspective, um, uh, yield some significant savings long term. So 
that's that's been an exciting model for us and one that uh, we didn't, you know, uh, Tom will remember this one probably four or five years ago, we were just knocking our head on the wall on this one, trying to figure out a path forward. So it's nice to think that, um, you know, this year we'll, we'll be able to uh, check it off and, and they've been, they're super excited too. So it's a whole culture shift as well around how this, um, this, this whole optimization effort will help them advance forward and they're not going to feel trapped from a technology perspective. They have options now. Uh, Anthony, how about at Enlight? Let's talk about a specific example, if you will, of where you all have seen some great success as you're implementing some of this capability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have over 40 agencies that are that we support uh, with, and and all of those have you know DCOI and and the cloud optimization at the heart of what they're doing and progress kind of looks So, so, so if you will, you, you've said DCOI a couple of times, just so for the audience to know what that oh, is. Oh, sure. I'm sorry, D, uh, DCOI data center optimization initiative. Right on. Um, that helps us, you know, the initiative that helps us map out that success. And so, you know, progress across those 40 different agencies will look different, right? As far as if, based off of their resources. The one that I feel very specific uh, that, that I can name specifically uh, is uh, Sandia National Labs uh, for Department of Energy. They have been uh, one of those that have uh, one of those places that have wholeheartedly embraced a, a data center optimization initiative, and they have also um, uh, used the extent of our solution to do uh, you know uh, capacity planning, uh, asset visualization. Uh, real-time monitoring, alerting, those things that are that you can uh, use the whole kind of uh, um, the full force of the product to, to really drive those, uh, you know, reports and analytics. Um, the, the, one of the successes that came out of that was then to, to use our predictive analytics that were looking at anomalous activity in the data center, uh, being able to find maybe temperature spikes or power spikes in parts of the data center where they were not able to, uh, to see that before. So leveraging all of that data, all of those great, all that great telemetry that they were gathering, they were able to do trending as well as predictive analysis on where they may have issues uh, in, in the future. And uh, no doubt some, some heavy duty computing going on over there in those facilities. So uh, absolutely. Uh, great, great example. Beth, how about at uh, Homeland Security? I know you've got a plethora of examples. Give us a highlight of one that you'd like to uh, to uh, shine the spotlight on in regards to an example of the journey that you all have been on. So I'm going to go back a couple of years to one that is a is a personal um, uh, success story, in my opinion. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was down at Immigration and Customs Enforcement, um, the DHS CIO at the time, as part of data center consolidation had brokered a deal to exit two zones of our main data center one and in effect sublet that space to another federal agency. Uh, what, unfortunately for ICE, we were the ones occupying those zones in the data center. And so while we had had a plan uh, for data center migration out of data center two, 
we had to really switch the timeline and focus on exiting out of these zones in data center one. And it was a, it was a very short term um, to, to move. And the initial thought was, well, we would just move out of those zones in the data center and move into another zone in the data center. And um, the CIO at the time, I was the deputy CIO, said that doesn't really make any sense. Why would we move within the data center just to turn around and then um, execute our cloud adoption strategy? So we're just gonna go straight to the cloud. And I think initially a lot of folks, including the, um, the DHS CIO at the time said, that's, that's, you're not gonna meet the timeline. So um, that's really a challenge. Um, but I am so proud of that team. They came together and they focused on the activities that needed to happen. We had uh, some very old legacy applications that were, were of particular concern to migrate to the cloud. And so in order to be successful, we started with saying to our customers, this is our priority. This is an activity we have to complete. So we need your partnership to stand down on changes to any of the legacy applications while we do this migration. And, and because of, I think, a, a really great partnership and a lot of trust with our mission partners, um, we were able to put that freeze, if you will, in place and begin the migration. And because we hadn't really done this uh, in, to any great extent previously, we saved um, the most challenging uh, migration to the very end. And it's a very large database. It's a law enforcement database that has dependencies across DHS. There are other DHS uh, component agencies that use it. And frankly, it was the one that I said, we were either gonna be successful um, or I was gonna be looking for another career, um, frankly. So um, as we got to the very end and we were ready to migrate this particular database, um, what we found is we were, we were migrating to a location on the West Coast. And when we migrated the data and started doing some uh, testing with the front end applications, the latency was too great for the front end applications. And it was not going to work for one of the component agencies that we serviced with this particular data center. And uh, at the time it, it was a, uh, uh oh, we're, we're not gonna meet our timeline and um, we're gonna fail here. And through partnership, not only with the mission elements, but with the, um, with the cloud service provider, we were able to lift all of our infrastructure and in six weeks move it from the West Coast data center, uh, cloud data center to their facility on the East Coast. And not only did we meet our timeline in exiting out of data center one, but over the next uh, six to nine months, uh, ICE was able to fully migrate out of all DHS data centers. And I think they're, they're one, of, one of our components that is an absolute success story with cloud adoption and data center optimization. Well, frankly, they're not in a data center anymore. And, um, and they, they, I think the steps that were really important in that is partnership with the folks that you're serving, your mission element, partnership with your vendor community, because otherwise, uh, you know, if you run into trouble, uh, you're not going to be successful. Um, and then the last piece of that that turned out to be a, a huge part of the success story is the, the federal employees that worked on that initiative gained a tremendous amount of experience, right, to talk about getting a process in place and doing this. And, and I recently was allowed to bring one of those employees up to DHS headquarters mm. to help us 
with a migration of another very large complex application, legacy application uh, from the data center to a cloud hosting environment. So the ability to share those best practices, to share that experience has really helped us uh, accelerate our cloud adoption strategy. Uh, Ryan, how about at uh, Kellen? Uh, give us an example there, if you will, of a, uh, of a um, you know, a, um, a project that you are working on that you'd like to highlight that sort of highlights the capability of this uh, different types of technology and techniques. Yeah, so at Kellen Technologies, we specialize in backup and disaster recovery, um, which often becomes the dip the toe in the cloud for a lot of organizations. See that um, a lot. Yeah. And recently, we've been working with an organization that has petabytes and petabytes of data sitting in on-prem data centers um, with really no coop to speak of because they didn't have the budget to really do coop. So they have a coop plan, but the coop plan relies on a lot of tapes and a lot of old legacy, uh, legacy methods. Um, so what we did is we started uplifting their data into the cloud just for Coop and DR. So get that storage up there, have them start working through the process of what does a real DR and Coop site look like in the cloud. You don't have to have the resources pre-provisioned. They can be dynamically spun up um, and they start gaining a lot of confidence in that environment. And then within months, they start talking about, okay, well, maybe this workload can shift up into the cloud. Um, and we do a lot of work with Convault software and Convault allows freedom of movement between all cloud and on-premise environments. And so once they have that, their data on that platform, they can shift the VM from on-prem to in the cloud or from one cloud provider to the other cloud provider, or choose to take that, that VM or data back out of the cloud because for some performance metric or some reason, it doesn't make sense to be there. And it, it's really been successful for them to find the, the real balancing point of cost and freedom of data movement and flexibility within that model, knowing that they can take their data and move it wherever they need it to go and, and really identify what structure for them makes the most sense. Um, Great use case. And, uh, Tom, how about a GSA? Give us, a, give us an example of, you know, sort of looking across that superstructure, one that you'd like to point out there. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard a lot of great stories. ICE is certainly one of them. Uh, DOJ. Yeah, that's a great one, isn't it? Um, yeah, in fact, when I was at DOJ, I reached out to ICE to learn about their story because I had heard about it, and uh, I continue to use that story today. Um, GSA is also a great story. You know, our remote users don't need VPN to gain access to their emails or files. The collaboration projects have come a long way, you know, uh, this platform, zoomgov.gov, didn't exist uh, a year ago. Uh, video conferencing has come a long way. The bandwidth consumption in GSA is between the home internet connection and the cloud, and that reduces the bottleneck using a traditional tick. And we have a large portion of our workforce teleworking at the moment. And data centers, which include cloud, are 100% essential to the ability of the organization. And I think this is an incredible success story for the federal workforce that we've been able, uh, ICE was one example, SBA is another, that we've been able to adapt uh, in short turnarounds, uh, which isn't traditional in the federal government. Well, we're gonna take another short break and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Data volumes expanding to petabytes size with no end in sight? Being told, move to the cloud? 
Rely on Kellen Technologies' managed data service powered by Commvault to continue the digital transformation of your IT operations and infrastructure, providing effective, efficient, and easy transition from your current on-premise IT environment. Visit kellentech.com to learn how Kellen Technologies is equipped to be your trusted IT partner to help you gain an operational edge and be able to sleep Government at organizations implementing a CloudSmart strategy had few options for managing on-prem and cloud environments uniformly. Until now. New Nutanix hybrid and multi-cloud platform eliminates the cost and management complexity of disparate cloud environments. Agencies have the flexibility to choose the best environment for each application with seamless mobility across private and public clouds without re-architecting applications or committing to long, inflexible contracts. Test drive the Nutanix Enterprise Cloud Platform today and see how easy it is to manage your IT operations on any infrastructure, in any location, with any public cloud. Visit Nutanix.com slash test drive. There's no shortage of demands placed on federal IT and data center professionals to innovate and automate while also cutting costs. But what is the reality of achieving scalability, flexibility, and security while maintaining reliability? How do you accomplish these and remove human error and reduce energy costs? Listen in on the Data Center Insight Series brought to you by Enlight Software as federal agency leaders reveal how they are getting it done. Visit enlight.com federal. That's N-L-Y-T-E federal. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about data center and cloud optimization strategies, and we've had a whole wealth of examples here uh, that we've been talking about. And I wanted to uh, throw it over to you, Chip. Tell us about uh, a great example with Nutanix as you're sort of going across the superstructure there. Give us an example of uh, where you all have been able to really help some of these departments or agencies or the private sector, quite frankly. I talked about a couple earlier of examples of uh, people using Nutanix to make traditional savings in large data centers in terms of footprint in going directly to the cloud in a couple of areas and trying that. I love what Monique said about having a process for that because we've also seen some examples that are a little bit uh, started out negative, if you will. People jumping into the cloud with major applications and running into issues, uh, issues around performance. Uh, and and uh, um, Beth, I think, described one of those where then there was, you know, you had to recover after that and get a little bit closer to the data center. But those are the things that people are learning how to measure and look to upfront. Uh, and those are some of the successes that we've seen, again, coming out of uh, projects we, we did a project uh, in the civilian uh, space in one of the financial independent agencies that started out sort of negative. They did all of their SharePoint in the cloud and the performance just uh, wasn't there. The cost, you know, that's the other thing. You can start to run into egress issues, right? And if you have an application where you're doing a ton of egress out of the cloud, it just wasn't what they expected. Months later, it wasn't what they expected. So they repatriated, you know, we're starting to see this as a trend. And look, can we get the same cloud-like experience we were looking for on-prem? Can we do this better? And I had some examples earlier, but what they saw is they could provision those things. They could run it on-prem with a very small workforce and converge the way that new architectures you see in the data center from compute and storage to networking that connects that, the virtualization software. You can bring that into a single OS, have a single person manage it and be able to, to provide uh, that same service in a cloud-like manner. And then 
as you, you measure that, maybe pick out a, a cloud provider that's a little bit closer, work with some of our great partners in doing that. I love that comment that you have to kind of be working with everybody. We have to work with cloud providers and, and our major systems integrators and be able to provide that seamless experience when you've, you've done the right measurements and say, this is good for the cloud, right? And giving the same OS in the cloud. Well, we're gonna shift over to priorities. I'm gonna start with you, Beth. And uh, we know that you have a lot of them there. Uh, we were hoping that you could just highlight a couple in regards to this area for the next year. You know, what's what sort of in the top of the job jar over there? So I think the number one priority for this year is to award our data center and cloud optimization contract, otherwise known as DECO. Um, the data center one, uh, DHS data center one, uh, that I've mentioned a couple of times, that contract to manage that facility is uh, is rather dated. And so we hope to get this contract awarded, uh, not only to manage the data center, which is the priority uh, for the contract vehicle, but also to provide capability for components and headquarters to do some optimization and cloud adoption. Um, the team has been working on that contract for the last uh, year, diligently with our chief procurement office and I am uh, I'm going to be very pleased when that's awarded and we're finally able to start executing against it and sort of tied directly to that um, in terms of data center management and data center contracts we are exiting out of our data center too I had mentioned that initiative we intend to finalize that and and completely uh, have all of DHS uh, equipment decommissioned out of that data center this year. And so, um, so when we look at that, the, what happens with that, that initiative is some of the applications are going to the cloud, some of the legacy applications are being retired, and then in some cases the infrastructure is moving to a co-location facility. So there's a lot of moving parts with both of these initiatives. Um, but I think that once we have that new contract vehicle in place, we'll actually be able to offer opportunities to components to begin to do some, some facilitate additional cloud adoption for, for the component agencies as well, and continue to optimize inside of Data Center One. Monique, how about a Department of Justice? Uh, give us your top two priorities. You've got a lot, of, a lot of moving parts going on over there these days. Right. Um, Yes, yeah, so they're all very important to us. But you know, I, I from a high level, cloud governance is one we want to really um, sort of shore up. Mm -hmm. You know, we particularly seeing the increase in cloud adoption across the department. Really shore up our governance, uh, bake it into our uh, investment portfolio, into our CIO council and review, into our security. So, um, so we've been. Um, We've actually been working with some strategists in this regard and how, what is some of the best practices happening at other federal agencies and what do we wanna to do to make sure um, we're aligning across our uh, governance, enterprise and cybersecurity committees under our CIO council for the department. So that's something we're looking to, to formalize and make sure it, it's well rooted into that review process. So um, we can really be partnering and collaborating across the department with the key leadership going forward. Um, so, so that's definitely something that's achievable. We've started on that path and sort of, sort of finalizing that path. I would say along, um, so, so part and parcel with that would be 
um, looking to mature all our various uh, data collection efforts. So we have a uh, mature data governance board now that we stood up the last couple of years at the department. Our, uh, our data architecture working group now, our AI community of interest align under that data governance board. And then it has, um, uh, which is key leadership from across the department and sort of all, all areas, not just IT. And there is liaison with our CIO council. So under that construct now, we have the ability to really uh, look at um, all this data we collect. So the great data we collect for our uh, GSA folks and our quarterly data calls, um, we're looking, we're, we're completing our application rationalization inventory, um, we're, we're, we're maturing our use of analysis tools. So um, looking at how all this data um, can better influence our investment portfolio management going forward um, and leaning into future optimization opportunities. So yeah, not just in cloud, but yeah, across the board. Yeah. Tom, uh, top two priorities at GSA. You got a lot on the plate over there. Yes, we do. Um, we're sort of converging a, a bunch of strategies, data center uh, consolidation, the cloud strategy, and dealing with the workforce. There's 450 agencies in the federal government. Most of them sit under that 24 act agency umbrella, but there's 106 agencies that sit under CISA's umbrella or authority. And we're trying to get the word out to the small and micro agencies on they can do this too uh, with our help, uh, whether it be cloud.gov or uh, 18F or, uh, or the community of uh, excellence. Um, a cloud strategy document we put together with seven other agencies work together uh, with the best and the brightest the federal government has to offer. And we put together some uh, clear strategies based on best practices and, and some of the lessons learned that agencies had. And one of them is just inventory assets. All this direct reports of the CIO should be using the same assets or same inventory. So you have a clear view of how what app applications are uh, interdependent with other applications. So you can do an application rationalization. We're really going to be promoting and, and pushing and educating uh, the community on application rationalization because lift and shift is really maybe not the most efficient thing we could do. Uh, you really want to look at the inventory, take, a, take an assessment, do your IP, uh, IT portfolio management and uh, weave it in with your uh, overall strategy. Well, listen, we could talk all day about this. Unfortunately, we can't. So we're going to have to wrap it up with this last question that I really enjoy asking, which is, uh, you know, take us home. Tell us what the future looks like. Tell us what it looks like over the horizon. Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, what can we expect from Kellen Technologies? Well, what does it look like over the course of the next two or three years? I think it's a bright future. Um, helping federal agencies complete this cloud transformation. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the shift into the cloud and to shared data centers and getting out of this, you know, thousands and thousands of individual on-prem data centers for every agency for all sizes, that transition is going to continue. And I think it's really exciting to see, um, see what happens with, with these agencies as they, as they really complete this transformation and gain access to all these new resources they never had before. Um, and also really continue to drive value into the money that's being spent budgets 
are always tight and they, especially with some of the smaller agencies and being able to continue to show value and help them realize improvement for their users and their mission is really exciting for us. Chip, how about at Nutanix? Well, what does it look like? What do you all got cooked up over there? What, what are you seeing coming around the corner? Yeah, I think it goes in line with what you're uh, commenting on, what Ryan commented on. What we're really focused on as a company, I think very simply, is making the hybrid cloud disappear. To not have people, to, so they can be focused on their mission, to not have people worried about where the application is spun up, where it's running. You know, what we've done on-prem as a company is converge all those various operating systems of the traditional technologies. And that is through software-defined uh, code, API-driven code that allows all that to happen. That's the same way the cloud is running. And so the dream as we get there is to have that seamless, that if you can have that same OS that you're running applications and spinning them up on-prem, that same exact OS for the cloud, no matter which cloud it is, right? That is the dream, right? And then it doesn't really matter. You can put things, if they're especially elastic or seasonal, you can put them in the cloud, but it's the same OS. And then if, if they're static and they're very high SLAs, you need those performance metrics um, there's a traditional code that's hard to migrate and platform in the cloud, you can leave them on-prem. So you can give, make that disappear and have the same OS across to all of that is the two to three year out uh, vision. We're doing that with a few clouds now. We need to increase the partnerships to do even more, right? We have FedRAMP now on certain clouds. We need to do that even more, right? Over the next few years, we need to have all those things to make that happen for everyone. Anthony, how about at Enlight? What does it look like? What, what, what do you see in a couple of years out there? Yeah, um, so you know, at Enlight, what we found is that the that our solution is a data analytics platform, right? I mean, you've got as we've deployed across forty agencies, and we're looking at all of the different metrics that we're gathering. That data center is a sensor-rich environment, and so we're collecting tons of telemetry about what's going on in our customers' uh, environments. And so, with that, we can do amazing reporting. We can do amazing predictive analysis. And we'd like to leverage that further with the help of our customers to say, let us help you get the data out of uh, get the data out of our tool the way that you wish. And one of those ways that we found that was that is uh, kind of futuristic, but avail but immediately uh, available is the ability to use augmented reality with uh, with our platform. So it's literally using the HoloLens 2 goggles, you put those on and you now have a, an overlay of your data center information projected onto those goggles. It has been accelerated due to COVID where you have a limited set of people on-prem in the data center and you can have uh, somebody that maybe doesn't have the skill sets of everyone uh, being able to use remote hands to, to, to do those skills. So they might have somebody that is a, a network person that is, you know, uh, with skills on site, but you need you need them to make some power connections or verify a few things that you know mm. on a PDU or, or power distribution unit. So you can actually help them do that just with the data, and that and that was something that you know that was accelerated. That I would say, man, maybe five years down the line, but it's but it's but it's here today, and that's all due to uh, you know this this data driven nature of. Of, of the data center and, and, and the information that we're gathering. Love that capability and look forward to seeing that widely used. Monique, how about over at Department of Justice? If I look out a couple of years, it's 2024, what's it gonna look like? 
Well, I, I mean, I think what we're shooting for is fully agnostic and visibility overall, you know, so ability to, to Tom's point, ability to quickly um, identify all our assets where they are, right? Peel back the layers, be able to make sure um, from a cloud strategy, we're embracing a cloud agnostic environment, um, whether that's commercial, hybrid, you know, on-prem, um, it's containerization, full portability, you know, um, easily scalable from security standpoint. Uh, we have uh, on-ramps to the cloud through our security accreditation process. So mapping out the enterprise ATO and partnerships we need to have in place ahead of time. Um, you know, the FedRAM process, you know, maybe it'll improve, but the reality is it takes a while. Um, and managing that. So you, you need a strategy for that from an enterprise ATO management. And we need to really um, be analyzing the data we already collect on, on, on uh, we have enough, I feel, I feel pretty confident we collect enough data every quarter across the department. We just don't reuse it and present it back in a way that's useful. And that's the part we're digging into. And then, um, and then, Again, that like helps advance everything else, data analytics, you know, how we're analyzing our data, how we're sharing it, you know, we should have a fully integrated taxonomy across the department so that shareability and reuse is there and clear on, on rules of the road and governance on when and when and how to share and when and how to use AI appropriately, right? So... All right, Beth. So uh, it's 2024, and the the deco is out there being fully realized. You've closed data center too. You know we're looking around. Uh, what do we see in 2024? What's your vision? I know you have one of uh, what does it look like at that point in time. So I was going to talk about all these great you know network modernization and all of those activities, but to be quite blunt. Um, with the recent cybersecurity uh, events, um, I can tell you we're going to be focused on security and security in the cloud, visibility. Um, I've heard the word telemetry used a number of times, and I think one of the places where, where we have some concerns is with this hybrid cloud environment. Are we getting all of the full visibility that's necessary into uh, the service providers environments. And I think the answer right now is we're not. And so when I look at what we're gonna be focused on uh, absolutely for the next 18 months, it's gonna be how do we manage those hybrid environments? And, and I mentioned, you know, DHS is, a, is the third largest federal civilian agency. And we've got a lot of uh, disparate missions. We've got, you know, our components have their own appropriated dollars to manage their IT. So from a DHS CIO perspective, I think it's incredibly important that we ensure that the DHS CIO and up to the secretary have full visibility into what's going on in our environment, regardless of whether it's down at immigration and customs enforcement, at customs and border protection, at FEMA. Um, and I think as we're accelerating cloud adoption and we're doing these data center consolidation activities, security has got to be at the top of mind. And how we provide visibility to the environment, how we look at our metrics, um, that cloud management and cloud security are absolutely going to be priorities for us over the next 18 to 24 to 36 months. Tom, how about at GSA? Take us home 
you're looking at it from a superstructure standpoint, right? You're up on the aircraft carrier. You're looking all the way out to the front. What's <laughs> it look like out there? Where are we headed? Well, GSA as a whole is a big ship. And um, we're going to continue to focus on cloud and optimizing the, uh, this, the federal government using the federal cloud smart strategy. We're going to be offering um, no-cost training to the agencies. So if uh, you want to beef up your workforce with uh, cloud training or network training, uh, we'll be providing that. We are going to continue to work within GSA. We are a services agency, uh, outward facing, and I have never worked for an agency that was so collaborative. Uh, and we are going to continue to work internally to help uh, external partners, uh, whether it be GSA schedule, EIS, uh, cloud services such as cloud.gov and login.gov, and the other entities within GSA. Uh, and I think, um, you know, one thing we can probably take away is, uh, would any of this happen without any mandates? Probably, but we, what the beauty of uh, the mandate is, we get to uh, quantify our results. I'm really proud to be a federal employee. And I am, uh, when I go on the IT dashboard and see how much money we've saved or consolidated, it's really proud. And I know the hard work that went behind it. And I love that word proud, and it certainly is an honor to work with every single one of you. And I, uh, I applaud you for uh, fighting the good fight along with the partners and making, uh, making these, uh, these, uh, these promises to the citizen, to the small business owner, to the American public, to the farmers, you know, everyone that uses these goods and services uh, to make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect the data, but also make sure they have a good experience when they need to use these goods and services. I think that's absolutely awesome. I also want to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedules today and to join us on the program. Uh, I also want to thank the sponsors uh, for supporting us on the show. Uh, I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make the program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, thank the listening audience who tune in to us every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.